I think we need to just understand that birth trauma is not a pathologized condition, right? So it's not like a mental health disorder, a physical whatever. It's it's a circumstantial set of processes that happen when a woman goes into labor and generally births at a hospital and, you know, and has a severe effect on her emotional and mental stability. Welcome to Asking for a Friend, the podcast that covers all those topics you may want to know more about, but might feel a lot of shame in asking. I'm your host, Katrina Buffard, and I'm a clinical sexologist, psychotherapist, speaker, and sexuality researcher. This week's episode is sponsored by Baby Yum Yum. Baby Yum Yum is the fastest growing parenting portal in South Africa, offering expert advice, free resources, and support to the parenting community. Check out babyyumyum.co.za for more information. This is a conversation I've wanted to have on my podcast for a long time. So I'm thrilled that I get to speak to Genevieve Pater today about birth trauma. Genevieve is a postpartum doula, a coach and content creator, and she is on a mission. Since becoming a mother in 2016, her life's purpose has become to spread education about mother-centered care. She's also the face and brains behind the brand New Normal, with a loyal Instagram following, and offers in-person and digital support groups, and has co-created an antenatal workshop called Oh Baby. I think that the, the best place for us to start is actually just defining birth trauma, um, because it, it, it is so much more than just a tough difficult delivery it's so much more than the ring of fire that all women have to go through in order to give birth I did a post a couple of months ago about this um because I feel like especially now with this 18 months of being a pandemic it really it's we're seeing more and more people coming out for uh, it's not a coincidence I don't think about speaking up about birth trauma and I think we've got to contextualize it that it very much is a situation that occurs in hospitals. And for the past 18 months, hospitals have literally been a trauma crisis management center, essentially, right? Um, And so I think I've definitely noticed um, in my, you know, scrolling and my engagement um, on Instagram and social media that there's a lot more narrative speaking about birth trauma now and has been for the last 18 months. So I think, which was is, is very different to, I think, how people used to conceive of birth tra- trauma, you know, like even, you know, by the time I gave birth, which was nearly six years ago already, you know, so I think let's start with what the typical kind of understanding or narrative of birth trauma has meant for so many people, right? And that goes something along the lines of that it's a life and death situation. There's an overwhelming focus on the physical health of the birthing person or the mother in this case, um, and that of the baby. Without medical intervention, the birthing person or mother and the baby wouldn't have survived. That's very much this kind of idea that people have of what birth trauma is that it's a severe trauma situation that you would imagine in you know war with a lot of blood and a lot of bodily fluids and like life and death to the minute to the second like panic 
And I think that it is that. It's absolutely that because you do hear these stories of women who have really gone through a life and death situation giving birth and have needed like severe medical intervention that came completely out of the blue. So it, it is valid that. But I think what's starting to happen now is that the nuance of birth trauma is really starting to emerge. And, and it's, a, it's a nuance that is experienced so much more by so many more women than that typical narrative of birth trauma, of panic and life and death, etc. So, so that was the typical narrative. Let's talk about this kind of more nuanced and, and atypical narrative, which ironically is way more common across the board. And that looks something like the mother is manipulated even ever so gently into making decisions and choices that aren't that she isn't comfortable with. Medical professionals, so doctors, OBGYNs, gynees, nursing staff, expect the mother or the birthing person to give over their trust implicitly because they know better, even if it doesn't feel right to the birthing person or the mother. So there's a lot of gaslighting inherent in that. So birthing person is gaslit with statements like, do you want me to do my job properly? Do you want me to deliver a healthy baby? And then my favorite one is, my job is to do what's best for you and baby. So those are things that you often, often hear in um, a delivery room, right? Um, I mean, I think a really good lens to kind of look at it through, and I mean, it's, it, it's, it's quite an extreme lens, but I think it really drives the point of nuance here. If we had to look at something like sexual assault, most women um, or people who identify as women who get assaulted, especially sexually assaulted, are usually in the relationship in a relationship with their assailant. Okay, so they, there's a level of trust there. Okay, so it's usually someone that they know either intimately or in their day to day life and have some sort of baseline of trust. So they, with this baseline of trust they then are coerced or manipulated into doing something that they don't really want to do. So whether it may be having sex, et cetera, um, with this person, and if they don't comply, they are then gaslit or assaulted for not complying. So like for me, when I think about that, it gives a lens to view birth trauma because essentially what is happening here is that for months, or years, women have established relationships with their healthcare providers, you know, their OBGYNs and their gynees. And so if we look at it in that lens, you can start to understand how common it actually is, if yeah. that makes any sense. It makes it makes perfect sense. And it's it's so jarring actually, you know, to sit here, I, I am a, a, a woman without children. Mm. And I'm sitting here as a as a a woman, but also a therapist and mm. feeling pretty horrified at how, I guess, in, in such a, when we're in such a vulnerable space, psychologically and physically, we might be taken advantage of. And that comparison that you made between a sexual assault and somebody taking advantage of your trust after a relationship has been built on that and having that used against you when you don't comply and the examples that you gave of the gaslighting that can occur in the delivery room, it's, it's quite difficult to hear, both as a woman, 
and as a therapist for me. You mentioned there in, in this is happening in hospital settings, but I would imagine that this could also happen with home births when you've got a midwife or a doula attending a home birth oh, or in yeah. a birthing clinic. So it's happening across the board, no matter what setting a woman might be in. I think though, I think I would stop you there because I feel like and it's such a it's such an interesting discussion. I feel like it's a whole other discussion, this kind of you know, these kind of parallel narratives of birthing in the medical industrial complex and like free birthing or or birthing at home like women have done for millennia sort of a thing. But I think that, I think, sure, I, I would imagine that in a high stress home birth situation, like for example, if things are not going according to plan, you know, and like if if there isn't dilation, there, there can probably be that kind of narrative of gaslighting happen but you often find that it's way less or it doesn't happen as intensely and I think it's because the nature of the home birthing kind of world or that midwifery led um, really understanding women's needs um, that kind of a thing it creates a um, it creates a much softer environment for women to be. Also, being at home is in a really comfortable, beautiful space. A hospital setting, it's bright lights, it's kind of you know cold because of reducing infection. You know, you have a lot of people coming in and out. At home, it's that cocoon space, and um, I think you would find that birth trauma per se happens far less in those environments than they would in a hospital setting and I think especially in these past 18 months as I said in the beginning I feel like this you know these stories and this narrative of birth trauma and the nuance are really starting to come out a lot more because hospitals have been crisis management centers during the pandemic so nurses are overstretched tired working double shifts doctors as well, they're being called in a million directions. It really has been a life and death situation because of COVID. And I think, you know, when you're working in that high stress environment, it's not conducive to oxytocin flowing, which is the hormone needed for labor to progress, you know, and to birth a baby. So yeah, I feel like sure it it can happen and it does happen in home births, but I feel like not as severe as in a hospital setting because of the nature of those those two different settings essentially you know totally and that's so helpful to know and and mm. you talking about how how hospitals have become trauma crisis centers is is even more apparent when you hear women talking about their partners not being able to be there 100% and, I mean birthing alone yeah i have said to so many women clients friends in the last you know 18 months Birth is hard enough as it is, and now you've yeah. had to do this on your own without your support, without your, your the person you choose to support you, and how difficult that must be. You know, how yeah. much more difficult, yeah. should I say, that much that must be. So yeah. there's the, another added layer of trauma, you know. Finally. I know as, as somebody who, who, who works within a trauma-informed approach in therapy, connection, connection and support helps us overcome yeah. trauma, and the feelings that women have had during the pandemic of being being so alone, I, yeah. I shudder to think how difficult that that is for a birth parent. 
And also, I mean, think about it this way, you know, within this context of COVID and hospitals being crisis management centers and literally life and death situation centers or situation, you know, situations. Um, I think when it comes to when you go birth at a hospital, birth is medicalized, you know, it becomes a medical procedure. And so, you know, the kind of ideology and the thinking around it then is, okay, well, let's get this done quick. We need to kind of rush things along because we've got five patients, you know, on ventilators that need our attention, you know, could be mothers even, or who have just, get, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like it becomes, you know, like a, like a, a supply chain, I want to say, like you want to get this, this woman, this baby delivered quick and fast and safely. We're in crisis mode. We've got things going on you know, nurses, as I said earlier, like they're running on empty, doctors as well, they've got so much happening. So I think that has really kind of precipitated this outpouring of birth trauma stories that are coming out at the moment, you know, and have been for a while now, for the last 18 months. It's so funny, you you spoke quite clearly um, about the particular things that are, are sort of signifiers of birth trauma. And that kind of life or death situation. And I, I think mm. we, we have faced death so much in the last 18 months, globally, mm. locally, individually, collectively, we've had to face death. And mm. then we're putting in, again, into, we're put into a situation where the birthing parent is incredibly vulnerable, is mm. feeling physically and emotionally vulnerable. But we're also in a situation where there is possibly a real sense of loss of control or loss mm. of dignity, or, or as you've said, not feeling listened to, or perhaps having a particular attitude from the people who are supposed to be helping and supporting us, mm. birth mm. not going to plan, and all of mm. that, I, I just imagine how challenging that must all be. And now, mm. I guess I, I wanted to do this episode with you not to scare women who mm. are pregnant or who want to get pregnant who are going to get birth that is not the point of this episode Mm. but I have to be honest with you as a woman I never heard about this topic until Mm. my friends started giving birth and Mm. I don't know if we're not talking about it more because we don't want to scare women because it is Mm. a really real very possible thing that a lot of birthing parents will go through and I do say women I mean those who identify as women, but also those who are uh, those with a uterus who are giving birth to a child. Um, So I I, I wonder what's your experience of understanding why it is we don't have these conversations more? Okay. So, uh, you know, you touched on something that's such a big um, kind of uh, grinds my gears a lot um, with this whole kind of thing of we don't want to scare pregnant woman we don't want to scare potential mothers you know we want to kind of like you know protect them from the fear like you know the whole story and I'm just like we are doing a disservice if we don't speak about these things to be able to prepare them right so that they can I mean if you don't you don't know what you don't know you know and the fact that it's happening so much and so it's so common you know that was my situation you know I kind of like I went into my pregnancy and birth so green, like, you know, not knowing any of this. And I mean, back then, it was like six years ago, you know, there weren't that many accounts speaking about this in the motherhood space. You know, the only accounts that I 
kind of saw was like this divine feminine, you know, Mother Earth kind of connecting, like, you know, with the the divine feminine energy to birth your baby as women have been doing for like, you know, whatever. And I totally subscribe to it, you know. The reality is, is that it's really, it's really hard to kind of live that. And I feel like it's a romanticized version of motherhood. You see these beautiful, you know, like moms and images of these moms with their babies who are in matching outfits. The baby just slots into their life and is on the boob. And it's kind of like when in reality, it's not like that. I feel like we're doing a disservice if we don't talk about the realness and how hard it can be. And these kind of these subjects that are not spoken about like birth trauma, you know, or the meanings, these different meanings of what birth trauma means. So, I mean, I think when it comes to birth trauma specifically, to answer your questions, why aren't we having more conversations about this? And I think it's because of the relationship of trust that we have established with our healthcare providers. In a typical scenario, a mother would have seen their gynae for a few years, been for the monthly scans um, during pregnancy, had the discussions about what they want from their birth. Um, and so there's this level of trust that's been established over time. There's like a history there, you know. I mean, I remember, like, I loved my gynae. I really felt like she had my back. And I would never, you know, she, I still love her, you know. I mean, the way the birth panned out, there was. There was some birth trauma in there, you know. I was coerced into things that I didn't think were necessary, but I didn't know any better. I trusted my doctor, and that's how it went. This thing about hospitals is that we deem them as safe spaces where we're going to be looked after at our most vulnerable times, whether it's during an illness or needing an operation, and, of course, delivering our baby safely, you know, because birth has for the most part been medicalized and hospitals these days you speak to most people like that's where we go to have our babies you know and there's very little discussed in this medicalized setting outside of physical safety i spoke earlier about how typical narrative of birth trauma is the physical safety of the mother and the baby there's very little spoken about emotional safety the psychological safety if she's feeling safe the mother you know um there's not much focus on feeling emotionally safe or knowing what this might, might look like. So the thing about birth is that it's only one third um, a physical process. It's an unbelievably emotional and spiritual event that happens, which isn't acknowledged from a medical perspective. The focus is on the physical rather than the binary of life and death without any room um, for the in-between and the nuance inherent in that binary. So when a mother like myself has been through 13 hours of labor without any dilation during that time, um, where I was strapped to machines and IVs of induction medication and antibiotics to speed things along, um, not being able to move and expected to lie flat the whole time so that the monitor can do what it's meant to do. And with every contraction, hoping that I dilate and nothing changes for 13 hours and the doctor comes in to say, that the baby's now in distress and they need to throw out the birth plan and book a theater if you want you and your baby to survive. You don't really have a say or a choice in the matter at the end of the day. And so your baby is born and you are left wondering what the fuck just happened and feeling so defeated that your body failed you. But everyone else, the doctor, the staff, your husband, your doula, they think you did a brilliant job because you now have a healthy baby and you're fine physically. And then you leave the hospital feeling completely overwhelmed and sad at how things panned out. 
And yet everyone around you is saying, why are you feeling this way? Look, you've got the most beautiful, healthy baby. So you start to question and doubt yourself because you can't shake this feeling of discomfort that one of the biggest, most important days of your and your child's life not only feels like the biggest anticlimax, but that you felt completely ignored and unheard, even though for months you were assured by your doctor that you could deliver your baby as women have for millennia. And you trusted your doctor to facilitate this. So we don't talk about um, we don't talk about it because the emotion and the nuance and the sensitivity of giving birth isn't acknowledged in these settings, only the physical. Hmm. That is, I think, like a, a truth bomb right there, if I can call it that. Hmm. It's so, so, I guess for me, refreshing to hear you say hmm. that. I'm a psychological hmm. professional and I'm a, a spiritual person. I'm a, as a therapist, I'm, a, I'm a, an eclectic and an and a holistic therapist, I believe in utilizing spirituality Ooh. as and when it can be used in, a, in an appropriate and helpful way. I, I, I love what you've said there because birth is framed within the physical mm. and the medical. We very rarely think about the psychological or the spiritual, and mm. yet we just expect it to be okay. And I've mm. often heard women, you know, really struggle after birth by saying, prior to giving birth, it was all about me. And how was I? And then postpartum, it's all about the baby. And that's okay in the sense that I understand I need to keep this little thing alive and my partner and I need to make sure that, you know, we survive the, the fourth trimester. But what about me? I went through this. I, I, I experienced this. I'm holding all of this. And yet it's as if it never happened. And all of a sudden we have a healthy baby and we must just move on. Well, I mean, essentially what you've described is the mother has been born as well. Two people were born at birth, the baby and the new mother, you know. It's like it's literally a crossing over into a whole different realm. And I think on a whole, modern culture and society doesn't really acknowledge that fundamental um, life change that, 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 that birthing people and mothers go through once they have had a baby, you know. They, they, they need to be treated and and nurtured and looked after as much as their new baby has and this is something that society unfortunately just hasn't been able to get right or understand for that matter you know people often speak about days gone by and like the village and you know and how we live more community-based and in smaller communities less nuclear families and in a lot of like cultures around the world, there is that understanding, you know, that knowledge of how important this time is that a new mother really needs to be looked after, you know, so that she can be the best mother for her baby, you know. The the nuclear like family setup has really done a number on um on mothers, uh, especially and our mental health. Just living in these silos and being expected to do things as we did before, you know, return back to work after two months or three months or whatever, carry on as normal. And like, you know, the baby just starts in. It's just not possible. I've often so, yeah. to, sorry, I've often said to clients, happy mom, assuming the mom is the birth parent, mm. mom birth parent, happy, happy parent, happy baby. Totally. And while we need to ensure we are available to that newborn, that child, we are taking care of it in the best way we are able to take care of it with as much support as we're able to get 
you also have to be taking care of yourself. And I think, I think that so often the birthing parents focus or, or the new newborn parents focus is on the baby 100%. Mm. And who's thinking about the parent? Totally. And that is how it should be. Like we are physiologically designed to be completely focused and honed into um, our babies. But the condition of the modern world is that, you know, oh my God, we've got other children that need tending to. We've got a house that needs cleaning. We've got money to bring in to be able to support our whole setup here. You know, we've got all of these external pressures that are pulling us in these different directions and really messing with that deep, like primal instinct of being able to just tune into our baby and, and kind of shut everything out. I think, I don't know what the solution is because we can't go backwards. And to be honest, I feel just like I have a problem with the motherhood mythology of we, you know, we, we can do this. We are born to do this, you know, divine feminine energy it's not realistic in our current um, climate of industrialized communities and world and a world. I have the same issue with this romanticization of the village as well. You know, like, yes, in terms of mother support and showing up, really women needed other women and they were there and available and other members of the community to help and pull their way. But if we think about days gone by and those kind of typical village setups, there were a lot of problems in there, man. Like, adultery and things like who knows what else you know like it was it was also a very so it's almost like I feel like as modern mothers birthing people today we have to we have to create our own villages our own villages that are current and and that also looks like digital it looks like you know making use of technology you know like it really means like a reframing of how we create community and villages for ourselves, you know, to re really feel resourced as new parents. That that analogy of the village is, is such a, a pertinent one. You hear it so much, you know, it takes oh, a village so to raise a child. But I also believe it takes a village to take care of, of newborn parents. Hundred percent. And I, I think mm. again, the narrative of you just got to get on and do it. You should be able to do this. You know, everyone has done this for millennia. As you say, we're we're in a very 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 different, different world. time. We live in a different world. This segues quite nicely into into finding out about if there are any factors that predispose a birthing parent to birth trauma, and then conversely, if there's anything that a birthing parent could do to prevent birth trauma. But I think based mm -hmm. on what you have shared, I've got particular ideas and, and I want to know what your thoughts are. Sure. Okay. So I think, I think we need to just understand that birth trauma is not a pathologized condition, right? So it's not like a mental health disorder, a physical, whatever. It's, it's a circumstantial set of processes that happen when a woman goes into labor and generally births at a hospital and, you know, and has a severe effect on her emotional and mental stability. To prevent that, it's like there is nothing you can do to prevent that. It's, it's, the problem is the system. It's not the woman and the birthing people. It is the system that we are entrenched in. And so, no, like women, you can't prevent birth trauma per se. What I would 
rather say is that you can do the work. Okay, first things first is to really find a team of doctors and professionals that you know, whether it's from people that you know, you know, from the mom groups that you're on, from like just do your research to find the doctors and the birth team that really got your back because there's a lot of smoke and mirrors that goes on um, in those initial consults when you're consulting with the a gynecologist or your old gynae who's been like the family gynae who delivered you, who delivered your sisters and your brothers and, you know, like that the whole family knows, like they might not be the right fit for, for you. I think that would be the first step is to really do your research to find out, get to know your birth team, you know, and, and speak to people who have used their services before and find out whether or not hospitals and doctors and ask them have statistics and records, you know, like how many vaginal deliveries have you given in this past year, you know, or have you assisted and, and how many cesareans, you know, like it's, it's really basic, simple stuff like that. And you are a paying, a paying patient. You have the right to know that information if you want to hire someone. So I think that would be the first step is to really like do the research and to find out um, about birth practitioners, OBGYNs, gynees, doulas, midwives, who you really connect, interview them, you know, like if you can, or better yet to avoid that first step, to just speak to people who you know that you trust and be like, this is what I have envisioned for my birth. Who would you suggest I go to? Almost all birth doulas would be a good source of information for that. These are the gynees I've worked with. They are so amazing. Like I've been in theater with them or I've been in a delivery with them. Like that would be the first point of call. If you do want to have a vaginal delivery and want to feel you taking the steps to kind of have the birth you want. The second thing that I would say is to do the work on yourself in the sense of being okay with not necessarily getting the birth that you want. So to kind of whatever it may take, maybe it's, you know, a lot of women, like when they become mums or when they're pregnant, this people call it this A-type personality comes out and it's like wanting to like organize the nursery and get everything ready and, and perfect. And I think a lot of women in general have these kind of these deep-seated issues with perfectionism and wanting things to kind of be perfect and, 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 you know, and that it really gets amplified and ramped up if you are predisposed to that, you know, in motherhood, when you become a mom, you know, and to really work through those issues, whether it's with your therapist, whether it's your doula or whoever to kind of, to kind of just like be okay with if things don't turn out the way you want and your expectations kind of don't get met kind of, how do you deal with disappointment? How do you deal with, because if we start getting comfortable with that, it can ease the potential for how we deal with birth trauma if it did have to happen, you see. So, yeah, so those would be the two things that I would, would recommend to prepare, you know. It's not our responsibility. The system is the issue. It, it's really going to take... Who knows what? I don't know. Like a like a complete rehaul of of the system to feel to make women feel safe to birth 
I mean, and, and it's a it's a whole other whole other episode, a whole other conversation. The public versus the private. Then, I mean, especially mm. within a South African context, but we have globally. Yeah. I mean, we can't even imagine the yeah. public experience of birth trauma versus the private. Totally, and I think. I think it's really good to to kind of bring awareness to that because I mean for me my, my personal experience was within a private uh, hospital in Cape Town people that I know in the birthing um, and mother care space uh, doulas doctors homeopaths you hear stories about what what does go on and even mothers that I know who've had to go to um public health care facilities, it's really, it, it's, it's borderline abuse what happens, full-on abuse that goes on. It's a big, big problem. And, and this is why I say the, it's the system that needs to change because although public health care, the level of abuse is decibels greater um, than in, in private health care, for example, women are still experiencing birth trauma across the board so this is why i say it it is a systemic problem and it just it the system needs to change fundamentally you spoke just a moment ago about women birthing parents empowering themselves through knowledge if if they can mm-hmm. to find the team that will be able to support them but also to to prepare themselves psychologically mm. for the the possibility that it may not go to plan, it may not happen the way they want it to happen. And you you touched on type A personalities and mm. the sense of feeling out of control, which mm. every birthing parent is going to feel. They have no choice. Um, so it's it's interesting because I think no matter if you're in the public or private, any birthing parent could prepare themselves psychologically in some way to try to empower themselves through information in some way mm-hmm. and may be able to come to a place of acceptance through external support if that's possible. But I'm mm-hmm. also acutely aware of cultural narratives of just get on with it or, you know, all people go through this who give birth, so just keep just going. Yeah, so, totally. So yeah, those yeah. cultural narratives also, I mean, in, in South Africa in particular, obviously being such a diverse cultural landscape having such a diverse cultural landscape that we have there are a lot of cultures that do have those narratives around emotions and and difficult situations so Mm. i think it it is an important point for us to make Um, but the necessity of emphasizing there isn't anything that predisposes women to this parents to this as i said it's not a it's not a pathology birth trauma it's not a mental health situation it's not a it's not a a problem with you and this is also so much I think of the motherhood and birthing person load is that when things don't go right or if we struggle with breastfeeding or if our baby's got colic and if he's not sleeping and we see as as if it's a reflection on on our parenting and and our mothering and our it shows up that we're doing a shit job and that's absolutely not the case. You know, we've got to let, let go of this kind of, our babies are their own people as well. You know, they come into this world with their own set of ancestral stuff and issues and, you know, even health issues or whatever, 
all we can do and the best that we can do is just comfort them and show up for them and support them. This whole thing of like, there's something wrong with us. It's, it's, we've really, really got to try and dismantle that because it's doing a number on our mental health, like through the board. It's, it's basic. It's the one thing that, that I, I kind of, I, I see all the time is that we take on this load of that, that there's something wrong with us and our skills and our abilities because our child isn't sleeping through the night or isn't able to latch properly or what are we doing wrong? Why can't I fix it? And we've re- it's, yeah, it takes a lot of work and so easy to kind of talk about it to people who, you know, who haven't had a child yet because the only way that it, it really does land is when you're in it and, you, and it, it takes practice to do all this work. This, this emotional work and this kind of like deep, deep work of, you know, kind of transformation into being a parent. But it also requires us to, to ask for help, which I know that a lot of people are not good at doing. They're not good at saying, I'm not okay, I need help. And if there's one thing I can say as a, as a psychotherapist is that is the best thing that you could ever do for yourself. Oh, if, my God. Ever. Yeah. Ask, for sure. I mean... Like, I think also this whole thing, this like nuclear family setup, there's, it's kind of, it's part of this like patriarchal capitalist kind of ideology that we're all entrenched in, you know, that we've got to, we've got to be self-sufficient and we've got to do it ourselves. And we've got to like be the masters of our destiny kind of a thing, you know, and it's just not the way we were designed as human beings. It's just not, we need community. We need help. We we co-regulate, you would know this as a therapist, we co-regulate through being with other people who help calm our nervous systems. We are social animals. We need people around to help with the load. And I think the pandemic has really shown us, right, we need other people. Totally. We need connection. 100%. So yeah. then I, I, I want to, as we wind down, just touch on a, a question that has, has always been with me. The difference between postpartum depression and birth trauma, because of course, birth trauma can be a part Mm. of what then may develop into postpartum depression. But do they look the same? What should we? Okay, so okay, so let's let's break it down, right? Okay, so I think I touched on it a bit earlier. Um, Birth trauma—it's not a pathology. It's not a mental health condition. It's—it's a set of circumstances um, that happens to a person, Um, and then, of course, the trauma in birth trauma is the response to that. So, simply put, postpartum depression is part of a classification of mental health disorders evident in perinatal women. So, women from when they fall pregnant right through to postpartum. Um, And this set of mental health disorders is called perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, otherwise known as the acronym PMADS. So as I said, birth trauma is the series of events that affect a mother during and after birth on either a physical, emotional and psychological level. Birth trauma can in many instances precipitate or be the catalyst for postpartum depression. Okay, so it's almost like Birth trauma is like this this kind of series of events on a day that is a catalyst for what comes down the line. This is because not being seen, not being heard, 
having your birth plan overrided and your power taken away in order to do what's best for you and your baby sets the precedent from day one that you, birthing parent or mother, have failed, that your body has failed. Okay, the emotional toll this puts on a new birthing mother is massive and can haunt her for many, many months to come. There's also a piece about the motherhood mythology, which I've spoken about um, before, that birthing humans is what our bodies were made for. And if we can't even do that, then how does this reflect on our ability to be a good mother? This is often the chain of thought that accompanies birth trauma and can lead to depression compounded with raging hormones, lack of sleep, and the transition to matrescence in general, okay? Then there's the piece about dissonance, which is a big theme that comes up in both birth trauma and postpartum depression. So it's like a feeling of being completely detached from your body and shutting down, which is absolutely a trauma response when it's happening. Um, so this happens when we experience trauma. It's our brain's way of protecting us to shut off what's happening in our environment. How this manifests often in the postpartum time and is an indicator of postpartum depression or a symptom of postpartum depression and, of course, of birth trauma is through not being able to connect with your baby. So that's one of the big, big um, kind of things that, that, that people look out for with postpartum depression. If a mother feels absolutely no connection to her baby and often this is at the root of that is birth trauma because of the dissonance that has happened. That is super succinct. That clarifies it. I think you made a very important distinction there and, and you, you've reiterated it several times. It's not a pathology. Mm. You pathologize this experience, but, but what actually is something that we know to be very commonly experienced by birthing parents is that postpartum mood or, or perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. It's very common. I mm. remember being a young woman learning about postpartum psychosis and feeling petrified, oh, yeah. feeling petrified. And I know a mm. lot of women who have experienced postpartum psychosis. And again, that might be due to birth trauma, but it could also mm. be due to nights and nights and nights of lack of sleep or no sleep whatsoever. It could be due to a pre-existing mental health concern. There's mm. so many different reasons why we can experience prenatal mood and anxiety disorders. Sure. And I think that something that's really stood out for me in, in, the, in the discussion that we've been having today is around normalizing that this, this does happen, but mm. also around really emphasizing that the birthing parents can empower themselves to mm. a certain point, but then totally. need to accept and acknowledge that there is stuff that's going to happen or could mm. transpire that will be out of their control, that they need external support around and that 100%. they can't get it. They need mm. to ask for it. So, I mean, I think, I think what, you know, I think, your question earlier about, you know, because obviously I'm, I'm also very much about prevention, right? Like I think, and, and this is so much about what I do on the new normal with, you know, the information and the, and the posts that I share. And it's almost like this, it's like a space of education. A lot of people have commented or in the past or have said things like, but Jen, you, we've got to be mindful of 
if you're a first-time pregnant mom reading this, you know, and I'm like, I get that, and I, I really do, but I also think we've got, we have a, a, an onus to to share this. We've got, a, we have an onus to, to make this information accessible and put it out there, because let me tell you, like most women I know, it's completely hidden from them, even in antenatal classes. They talk, I mean, I remember in mine, which was, okay, it's probably way outdated now, but it was six years ago. I mean, we spoke about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders literally for 10 minutes in the one, two hour, six out of the six sessions that we had, 10 minutes. And the thing is, is that we've got to understand, like, especially now in this, you know, post-pandemic world or this pandemic world that we're living in, mood disorders across the board, not even perinatal, have just gone through the roof. I think also within the context of South Africa, I know this for a fact, like the rates of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are unbelievably high compared to places like Australia, New Zealand, the UK, the US. In South Africa, they're looking at, it's like it's almost 40% of new mothers will ex or mothers um, pregnant through to postpartum will experience some sort of mood disorder. And their parent, that is a big number. That's almost 50%. One in two. In places like the UK and the US, it's one in five. I think it's like 20 to 25%, isn't it, in the UK? Totally. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, about one in five, yeah. And so, you know, and this is why we have to talk about this stuff. But I think within the subject of birth trauma, per se, as I said earlier, there's very little you can do to prevent it because it's a systemic problem, right? What I think is a good thing to talk about is what to do if you feel like you have experienced birth trauma. So these are some things to kind of guide people because a lot of women, they don't actually have a narrative or they've never heard of birth trauma before, but yet they are experiencing this deep discomfort. They think back to the day of the birth and they're, they're suffering from PTSD symptoms. They don't even know that it's PTSD from the birth trauma. And so these are the things to to look out for, okay? So the first thing would be not being able to bond with your baby, okay? That's that's a big one. And it also ties in with postpartum depression. And remember that, of course, birth trauma can absolutely precipitate postpartum depression in the months that follow birth. Feelings of immense anger and sadness about your birth that you just, the more you think about, you just have these, these, these you don't know what to do with them. Symptoms of PTSD, depression or anxiety, feelings of dissonance and detachment from your everyday life. So, I mean, that speaks for itself. Like you, you, you just feel, you, you almost feel numb. You kind of, the things that give you joy or being able to do things in your everyday life, you just, you just don't have any desire to do. You, it's almost like you're, you're numb. That's the best way to describe it. And, and then, you know, I think, I think it's really important to to mention here this whole thing of like speaking up about this because these things when when we speak about it we kind of lessen the shame you know around it because and we need to be we need to be creating spaces for people to be able to speak about this because it will really help process and help things from spiraling into a really dark place and I mean the last thing I would say about this is that you know, it's a, it's okay to feel these things. And so many people do just because you didn't experience 
the typical narrative of birth trauma, which, you know, we spoke about in the very beginning, the, the life and death situation, and you, and you have a healthy baby and are physically healthy, you've got to remember that birth is not just about the physical act or how you birthed, but how you felt during and after birth. If you didn't feel heard, if you didn't feel supported, if you didn't feel seen and empowered in your decisions, and are experiencing some or more of the symptoms that we just outlined, you may indeed have birth trauma. So the things that you can do, you can talk to someone, you can talk to your postpartum doula or your birth doula, your counselor, your therapist, your friend, your mom, chat to your doctor who delivered your baby, ask for a debrief session with them, explain what you are going through. And I promise you, I don't think any gynae or any doctor would not com comply with that. Process your birth story with someone. Tell it, write it down and record it. There's so much power in being able to actually get that story out of your body and, and share it with someone. And, you know, you can do that in a multitude of ways. You can do it um, by telling your story and someone recording it so you can hear it back to yourself by writing it down for yourself, getting someone to write it for you. There's a lot of power that comes in the retelling of our birth stories to help process. It, that's very interesting. I just, I guess I'm aware of reliving trauma. The more we tell a story, there's kind of two different schools of thought. The more that we tell a story, the less power we give it, or the more we do tell mm. the story, the more we relive it. And I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to hear you share different kind of ideas there of how, how mm. to, release this birth trauma because I think it's the mm -hmm. holding on to it that is so problematic so whether you're mm -hmm. writing it down whether you're saying it out loud whether somebody else is there for the debrief with you or mm -hmm. ever uh, you know from the medical fraternity or from your family and your friends and your loved ones there's that real necessity to not carry it on your own mm -hmm. despite mm -hmm. you having been the one that went through it Mm. It's such a it's such a helpful place for us to finish up our, our conversation. And I just wondered if there's anything else you think that you know we needed to speak yeah. about or or what I would like to add on to that last point, Katrina, which I think is something also very, very important. And you know, obviously now with the the, the pandemic and um for so long partners weren't allowed into the birthing room or or theater and in hospitals, but there's so much to be said for the fact that partners of the birthing parent experience that trauma too, especially when there's a high stress situation happening or like the doctor suddenly, okay, you know, there's a big rush, right? Baby's gone into distress, da, 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 da. Partners experience that birth trauma too. And so what I would say and is, is, the first person to debrief with would be your partner because they were witness to what happened. And women and birthing people think that when they are on that table or, you know, in that room delivering that baby, that they are the only ones, of course, on a visceral level, they are the only ones experiencing it, that physical birth process is happening to them, but their partner is there with them. And there is so much, people don't talk about what the partner experiences during that time, you know, especially if there was a high stress situation. And I think so much comfort and so much connection can come through and a, and a sharing of this load if we speak with our partners who are there with us about it and, 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 and hear it from their perspective as well. 
I'm so happy that you raised that point. I'm so happy mm. that you raised it because we've been speaking about the birthing parent and, and what they're going to go through, you know, following the birth. <laughs> but we often forget that there usually is another, there's another parent. Uh, Generally, the there's case, another yeah. parent in, in most totally. situations and that totally. parent will hold on to their own trauma of the experience 100%. just because they did not physically go through yeah. the ring of fire emotionally totally. spiritually they have yeah. gone through it too and 100%. i think it's a conversation I, I i've had before and i've spoken about in podcast episodes of what partners experience because very often they're left out of the narrative mm -hmm. and again i think i said it earlier you know we're all putting the focus on the newborn but who is taking care of the parents because the parents yeah, both need support they're also going through you know together a transition and it's important totally. for us to to not disregard the birthing parents partner in that process totally. 100%. i love the point that you made about them being there for each other being able to debrief mm -hmm. each other and being able to support each other through what is very very often a very difficult and challenging yeah. physical emotional and spiritual experience on another side of things, though, um, and this is also a potential scenario, is that, you know, the non-birthing parent could not really see why the birthing parent is so upset or what, you know, we've got a healthy baby, you know, like, let's just focus on that. And then, of course, it's up to the, the birthing parent um, who experienced the trauma to really voice and explain why they are feeling this way what has happened and if they don't have the words to get someone or to speak to someone who can help give them the words and the narrative to explain to the partner this is what I went through this is what I felt this is what it was like for me and then that connection can happen again because then the, the non-birthing partner will understand and with trauma as, as kind of my last thought here with trauma our brain often has blanks and we need to fill in mm. those blanks with the facts. And so if we don't have the facts, the brain often gets stuck. The brain struggles mm. to, to mm. process the, the trauma properly and verbalizing mm. it, giving name to it, sharing the experience of it with somebody, especially somebody who was, we hope they're in the room with you. It mm. enables the brain to complete that memory, to have mm. all of the pieces of the puzzle there rather than missing yeah. the pieces, which is where the trauma response often happens from. I've loved talking to you. And mm. as, as a, a childless woman, I have learned so much already. And I feel that I will learn so much more as I perhaps one day go through this journey. Mm. And I know that, again, I, I want to say this again, this episode is not about scaring people it is about actually mm. providing information that mm. empowers us that we need to have as women or as a birthing parent you need to have and I'm so grateful that you are the one I'm having this conversation with because of your expertise and your passion and your lived experience are you curious about sexuality and want to learn more well, you can learn much more from me on several platforms. On my website, you can find short online courses to expand your knowledge, either as a member of the public or as a healthcare provider. 
And if you want a comprehensive sex education that you really should have had but likely never got, then check out my three-hour class on mymastery.tv where you can buy my single class for as little as 145 Rand or $13. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be grateful if you could rate and review this podcast so that you can continue learning about some incredible and fascinating topics and get the information about sex you should always have had. You can subscribe and follow this podcast on your favorite platform.